The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Final insult, nursing home abuse. Do you have a loved one in a nursing home or know somebody who does? Are you concerned about their welfare? Do they get the proper care? Albany, New York, elder abuse investigative specialist Jamie Will Richardson, along with Carol Herman, the founder, president, and chair of a grassroots elder abuse advocacy nonprofit, founding Foundation Aiding the Elderly, or FATE, will discuss how to recognize the signs of maltreatment and what to do with it when it's identified. Carol Herman was a successful software marketing entrepreneur when her aunt, her aunt Matilda, died from neglect and abuse in a local nursing home. As a result, Carol organized Foundation Aiding the Elderly, or FATE, a grassroots elder abuse advocacy in Sacramento, California. She founded this in 1982. FATE assists those who have friends and relatives in long-term care facilities with suspected abuse, neglect, and civil rights violations and often initiates action on serious allegations. Carol works closely with federal and state regulatory agencies and with attorneys representing victims of maltreatment. Carol has served on several state boards, the most recent, the Sacramento County Adult and Aging Commission. She's participated in legislative and oversight hearings and is a recipient of awards for her efforts. She is a popular speaker on the aged and has been the subject of a number of news and magazine articles, including the Family Circle magazine, and has appeared on notable TV shows such as Geraldo, and Sally, Sally Jesse Raphael. Carol, um, tell us what happened to your Aunt Matilda. Oh, good morning. Good um, morning. Um, you know, this we have to go back that this happened in the latter part of 1980 when nursing homes were, there was little to no publicity. Nobody knew what was going on in nursing homes. And my aunt actually uh, was over-medicated by her family practitioner. Um, this is another area that I look into is over-medication of the elderly. Uh, she ended up uh, getting, like, signs of dementia, only we didn't know at the time it was drug-induced dementia, which is happening a lot. Um, she ended up, uh, long story short, she fell, broke a hip, ended up in a nursing home. Uh, she was not the typical patient, private pay. Most people are under a Medicare or Medi-Cal, Medicaid in other states. And, you know, we saw her daily. She was not the typical nursing home patient. She had a lot of family. She was the matriarch of our family. We saw her every day. And the abuses occurred right in front of our eyes. We had no idea that they were drugging her with antipsychotic medications. Um, she just went on a down spiral, uh, lost a lot of weight, couldn't talk. They lied to us. 
And the end result was that she developed bed sores that we did not know she had, and they hid that from us as well, and she died from stage four infection from a stage four bed sore. Hmm. Well, after that, I started looking into um, what's going on in nursing homes, who licenses them, who regulates them. I have a brother who's a very prominent attorney in California. We didn't want to, like, file a lawsuit. We just wanted to have somebody's hands slapped so that um, people wouldn't die from bed sores in nursing homes. So I found out, did some, you know, investigating, looked into who licenses, went to the regulatory boards, uh, filed a very in-depth uh, complaint since I am a businesswoman and I believe in paper trails. So I filed this big complaint about on her death, what happened to her, to the regulator. And I met directly with the head of the office so that I would deal with the decision maker. Well, the long and the short of it is, after being stonewalled for almost a year, he unsubstantiated the complaint. And I went after him to find out why somebody could die like that and the regulators don't think there's a problem. Found out that he had destroyed the complaint to protect the nursing home operator. So I actually went after him, and he lost his job. Um, big news in California, you know, officials don't get fired. He lost his job uh, and immediately went to work for the nursing home industry. So now I got it. Not only were the nursing homes giving poor care, but the regulators were in bed with the industry, and they were not being held accountable. So that's actually how I started this yeah, organization. I, I see that the um, from your notes that your Aunt Matilda actually died listed as pneumonia, coronary arteriosclerosis. I can't say it. Right. And most severe bed sores. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, bed sores don't usually cause, they, they are the cause of the death, but usually you die of a heart attack. So... And a lot of, I'm, I found over the years that a lot of these death certificates are not even actual causes of death, that unless you have an autopsy and really dog this, you don't even, you can look at a death certificate and not even know that people are dying from bed sores, which is a rampant uh, because of the lack of the care, uh, because of the insufficient staffing in most nursing homes. So... Um, yeah, it was pretty horrific. My family was very traumatized over this. Uh, my mother uh, was, you know, never got over it. Um, the guilt that goes along with the family is horrific. Um, but I just decided that I was going to do something about it. And but your family know. was reporting issues. She had broken bones. Um, oh, were... yes, and uh, there was always an excuse. You know, I'd go to the facility and say, why isn't she talking? And they, oh, well... That's, and this was before the word Alzheimer was coined. It was called uh, dementia at the time, senile dementia. Oh, well, she's getting dementia. You know, she's almost 80 and et cetera. And so we sort of bought off on it. You know, we thought, well, you know, our first experience in a nursing home, my family was never in the hospital. My, my mother died at 90 and was never in the hospital. My grandmother never went to, have, to the hospital even to have children. So we just assumed she was in this wonderful place and getting good care, and when we'd ask questions, we just bought off on it, when in fact they were lying to us the entire time she was in there. So then, so you founded FATE. I founded the organization. Your frustration. And, and, and so what does FATE do? Well, we, we uh, act as the voice for the patient or the family members, and we try to handhold them. Um, you know, unfortunately, most of the calls that we get are after the fact, when the patient has already been abused and is either dead or close to death. 
Uh, but we try to educate family members on what to look for in nursing homes, how to advocate for their family members. Um, now it's getting to the point where uh, you have to really start advocating in an acute environment, the acute hospitals, uh, to make sure that your family members aren't released before when their acuity level is too high. So it's, it's just become a big struggle in the healthcare industry on making sure that your loved ones have proper care. It's uh, all about the money now, and um, so that's basically what we do. We file complaints with the state regulators when there are uh, violations and um, with subsequent deaths. Uh, what kind of reception do you get from the state regulators? Not, not that great. Uh, when, it start, when I started out, uh, basically I was probably the first one in California that ever went through the, the entire due process that is available to uh, the complainant or to the public. Um, you know, they don't, the regulators really don't like it when you uh, approach them and tell them that here's a, a federal or state regulation that was violated on the death or neglect of this person and they didn't do anything about it. So the, sometimes the reception is not very good, um, especially when I go through appeal processes when they don't substantiate a complaint and I go through the due process to file appeals. Uh, and then I, you know, show it's very clear how they didn't do their job. They didn't investigate. Uh, they never talked to family members. It's like they they try to interview the fox and not the chickens. In the, mm -hmm. So, um, you know, but that doesn't bother me um, because I know that uh, what I'm doing, my purpose is there. And so sometimes they're nice to me and sometimes they're not. So your organization is is different than others you know about across the country. Is that right? Well, there are advocacy organizations like the Ombudsman Program, which is funded by the, uh, under the Older Americans Act, the federal government, and filters down into the states through the Department of Aging. And then there's a big pot of money that's given to the Ombudsman Program to be the eyes and the ears of nursing home patients. Uh, however, the difference in my organization, and there's only a couple of us in the country that are doing this, is we accept no government money, and I think that's a key point. So we are not controlled by the government. Uh, we are free to do whatever we want. Um, we are, the first 20 years I funded this organization myself, we've always been a 501c3 nonprofit. We started accepting donations about seven years ago. Um, so the, the, the public is funding this organization through don to, through tax exempt donations. So, our loyalty is to the consumer, not to the government. That's where the difference is. So, your feeling is that the government supported omnibus omnib programs are there's uh, inherent conflict of interest. Well, in there's a conflict of interest, and also the uh, the New England. Uh, Journal of Medicine did, uh, I think it was three studies over the past 15 years on the effectiveness of the ombudsman program in the country. And they interviewed, I think there were six states, California being one of them, New York, I think, Texas. And, you know, advocates were interviewed and uh, research was done. And the end result was in all the reports that the New England uh, 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 that studies that they did, all were scathing that the ombudsman program is not working. Most of the ombudsmen are, they're volunteers, they're older people who are retired, they don't want to rock the boat, and they're also mandated 
to solve problems at the lowest level. Well, the lowest level is a CNA, Certified Nursing Assistant that has the hands-on care every day. They're not directed to go to the top of the feeding chain, and I believe in the top-down structure. If it's not working at the top, it's not working at the bottom. So that's a big difference. And that's not to say those programs don't do many good things. Oh, oh, I'm not saying that. Right. You know, they, they provide services. They give information. Uh, in California, you cannot sign a durable power of attorney without the ombudsman witnessing and signing it. So there's a lot of, they, I'm not saying that they don't do some good, but when it comes down to the hardcore go after this nursing home because they violated the patient's rights and the patient has died, and um, they don't do, they don't, they're not strong like that. Filing complaints, dogging that complaint, making sure that uh, proper adjudic- is adjudicated properly. They don't do that mm-hmm. at all. And as a matter and of why fact, do you think there's not more outcry from the well, general public? I, I think one of the problems with the public is this is not a sexy topic. Obviously, people, this is the end of life issues. Nobody wants to uh, think about their end of life and that this could happen to them. Um, when you have a family member in a, in a facility and you see these problems, there's a fear factor of retaliation against my family member. I'm not here 24-7, so if I start complaining to the top management about the poor care, they could possibly retaliate against my mother and make it worse. And, and those are all legitimate fears. All right. Carol, um, hold on just a second. You've been listening to grassroots advocate Carol Herman on her efforts to attack elder maltreatment and nursing facilities. More on this important subject after a break. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PI's Declassified. 
If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. We've been talking to Carol Herman about her foundation, Foundation Aiding the Elderly. Now we'll turn to Jamie Richardson, an elder abuse investigative specialist. Jamie, a licensed investigator, works either for families or for attorneys on allegations of abuse, neglect, and financial exploitation of aging and vulnerable adults. Jamie is a former U.S. States, um, United States Marine and is a founder and owner of Mission Possible Investigations in Albany, New York. Jamie's experience includes working as an adult protective investigator for the Florida Department of Children and Families and as a quality insurance investigator. Jamie, talk to us about the types of abuse that can happen in a nursing facility and what you do with your investigation. Sure, and, uh, th and thank you for having me. Um, you know, typically the type of investigations that, that we conduct are anything from um, we may get a case regarding bruises and welts. We may have received a phone call from a family member um, about unexplained fractures, uh, burns, lacerations, um, sexual abuse, and, and you know the the list of different types of abuse goes on and on. I see. And and where do you start? Typically, the way I start um, is with a. Uh, a confidential consultation with my clients, um, talk to them about what their goals are, um, and then generally, you know, go over all the information that they may have uh, regarding the abuse, their suspicions, and uh, the information that they may have regarding the abuse. And then from that point, I will, um, you know, come up with a plan as to how to investigate and uh, how to obtain the information that they need so that they can at the end of the day, um, that they will have some kind of answer um, that they may not have received before. 
Well, you have um, you recently wrote an article for a private investigator trade magazine called PI Magazine, and yeah. you listed a number of considerations, such as does the facility have an abuse abuse prevention policy? Can you tell us some of the others of those? Um, typically, in nursing homes, you know, there are uh, typically some of the things that that nursing homes will do is, um, you know, they have, of course, they have a long list of different types of employees at the facility. And where it may be from a CNA to an LPN, an RN, uh, a DON, which is the director of nursing, the administrator, and they would have other staff that may internally investigate, you know, complaints of abuse um, by individuals within the facility. Um, and typically, the, um, there are only certain individuals within the facility that may have, that may actually conduct their internal investigations. I don't know if that answers your question. Well, yeah, it, it does from that level. How much information can you actually get about a facility when you're initiating the investigation? Well, a licensed private investigator uh, has no more rights to um, uh, health care information than any other individual. So typically what we do to obtain that particular type of information is to work with the families uh, to obtain that information. Um, we may be working with an attorney um, who may uh, subpoena or request those type of records. Okay. All right. Now, um, there are a number of types of abuses that you've investigated. I, from what I understand, um, physical injury would be one. Yes. Sexual abuse would be another. What are some others? Uh, um, it, it, you know, going back to what Carol was talking about, um, about bed sores, for example, um, you know, decubitus, um, you know, those are, those are one type. That would be one type of uh, investigation. The other would be, you know, physical injuries. If somebody had um, bruises, um, if they had welts on their body, if a family member went into the facility and they saw that um, their mom or dad had, um, maybe they didn't seem uh, clean. Um, maybe uh, the, the patient at the facility uh, seemed to be intimidated by staff um, you, you know, there's a lot of indicators there that, that can help you determine um, what's actually going on in the facility. And as an investigator, typically what I do is I go down a checklist. Um, I'll interview uh, the patient. I'll interview the family and determine from there what, if any, um, abuse may be occurring uh, to, uh, you know, and, and turn it over to the appropriate authorities. So you have a population that um, often can't communicate or are intimidated uh, and therefore don't communicate. I mean, it seems like if, um, if you were a resident in a nursing home and you saw somebody else being abused, that would keep you from saying anything. Sure, sure. Have you had incidents of, of that? Yeah, I mean, we've had cases where... Um, there may be individuals in the nursing home that are afraid to say something or they're not capable of communicating um, what's actually occurring. Um, maybe that individual has dementia or Alzheimer's. And typically, you know, 
what we do in cases like that is use our observations of what we see to uh, to make the attempt to determine what's actually occurring. I see. And then um, in your state, with New York, Jamie, you actually have Adult Protective Services there? Yeah, it, Adult Protective Services nationally, I mean, each state has its own uh, governing body that, that will handle, you know, elder abuse. However, um, you know, some, the laws are different in each state as to how they conduct the investigations, um, um, to, as to um, what the laws are, you know, regarding the investigations. When does it rise to the level of a criminal act? Um, typically, when there's evidence uh, that, that supports or shows that uh, there's a, you know, a, an individual that was responsible for abuse or neglect. Okay. And then does the family make that report? You know, it can come from a number of different sources, whether it comes from the family, um, it can come from myself as an, you know, a licensed private investigator. Um, but you can actually home. be a reporter. Sure. You don't, I mean, you don't have, New York State has no mandated reporting laws for, for elder abuse uh, cases. So, I mean, if, if a doctor um, suspected that their patient, um, like a primary care physician, suspected that their patient had been abused, um, they're not mandated to, to contact uh, Adult Protective Services or law enforcement. However, there are other states, such as Florida, where if a doctor um, had suspected um, abuse, then, you know, they're required by the state to go ahead and contact Adult Protective Services and, and let them investigate at that point. And I guess from a practical standpoint, until there is something like a death, um, there really is no cause of action available to the either the nursing home resident or the family. Is that right? Yes and no. I mean, you know, typically the first time that a family may, member may be aware of of abuse is when they're visiting with their with their family members w uh, within the facility, and uh, and usually what happens is the first people that they notify is the facility itself. Right. Um, and then, you know, if they don't get results with the facility, you know, at that point a family member may, you know, look for other resources on how to go ahead and address the issue. Maybe they didn't get the answer they were looking for uh, from the facility. Um, maybe there's a con um, not, a, not necessarily a conflict interest, but maybe there's a um, things don't really add up as far as what the nursing home is telling the family as to the reasons why. Um, the in mom or dad may have a bruise, um, it, and typically, you know, from there, you know, the families will and can, you know, they can call, you know, licensed private investigators. They can call Adult Protective Services. They can call law enforcement um, and other, you know, bodies that that assist and support and and investigate, um, you know, that type of abuse. Well, I, can I interject something? Sure, Carol, go I, ahead. I hate to interrupt, um, but uh, in California, Adult Protective Services has no jurisdiction in nursing homes. So right. I don't want and the it, listening audience to see that Adult Protective Services in every state has the jurisdiction to go into nursing homes. Sure, and Carol, I, I know for, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
I know for sure California uh, Adult Protective Services has no jurisdiction. They cannot go into a nursing home. In California, anybody who holds a license or is a health care provider is a mandated reporter to report suspected elder abuse. And I know that that's not in every state, but perhaps it should be in every state. Sure. Okay. I, I Guys, let me interrupt. You're listening to elder abuse experts Carol and Jamie. More about investigating claims of abuse in a moment. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. 
talking with Jamie Richardson, a licensed private investigator from Albany, New York, and Carol Herman, President and Board Chair for Foundation for the Elderly from Sacramento, California. I'm just going to take a moment here and read from the recent headlines. Now, this is just since April 2010. April 4th, uh, New York nursing home staff members arrested and accused of neglect. April 26th, plaintiffs claim California nursing homes putting profit over people by failing to provide adequate staff. April 29th, New York nursing home settles case for $190,000 after resident suffers. I'm sorry, suffocates. May 12th, Jewish home and hospital in the Bronx hit with a $50,000 fine doing, due to substandard care. May 14th, and this is California, and this was a big one, jury returns a $29.1 million verdict in an elder abuse case. And as of two days ago, Ukiah, California, and I'm reading here from the Press Democrat article by Paul Payne, August 3, 2010. Six former Ukiah nursing home employees face criminal charges for coding dementia patients with slippery ointment as a part of a cruel and shocking prank aimed at workers on the next shift. And uh, there were six employees that were arrested. And uh, let's see here. Four of them were... Four of them participated in applying the ointment, and two of them failed to report the issue. So they all were arrested. And then um, also there was uh, just uh, recently a unanimous Pennsylvania Superior Court panel ruled that a nursing home can be held corporately liable for its actions. So I'd like to hear your comments, Carol and Jamie, about those cases. And I believe, Carol, you have some personal knowledge about the well, $29.1 uh, million. The $29 million punitive damage award was my client. And that happened here in Sacramento, California. And the, uh, if, if the pu general public sat in and listened to the testimony in that trial, they would have been absolutely horrified, just horrified. Uh, and, the insufficient staffing, uh, uh, poorly trained staff, how might the client uh, had an injury, it was it was undiagnosed, and it caused her to have a bed sore that developed in, into stage four, and it killed her. The the um, the other one on April 26 about the profit over care that was another one of my clients, and it was very well shown that um, you know that the nursing home industries are absolutely putting profit before care, and again, it's our tax dollars. So you know, I don't mind that a nursing home operator would make a profit. However, not to the expense of killing the patients and not providing the proper care and pulling out millions and millions of dollars um, when they're not giving care. And the, my and comment about tiny, the... I'm sorry. Excuse me. These aren't tiny little care facilities on the corner. These are major corporations. Uh, most of, you know, most of the facilities in this country are owned by major corporations. A lot of them trade on the stock market. I've tried to get the Security Exchange Commission, you know, to look into this. Uh, when I ran my software company, it eventually was a public company. We took it public. I, I, there are certain, you know, SEC rules and regulations that you have to abide by, but yet nursing homes are publicly traded com companies and they're in violation of federal law all the time. If I had if my software company was in violation of federal law, I would have been 
taken out of business. It would have been taken off the New York Stock Exchange, et cetera, et cetera. But there doesn't seem to be any type of punitive action against this industry that is reaping billions of dollars of our tax dollars and giving shoddy care. Now, these CNAs that got arrested up in the Ukiah area, mm-hmm. again, my position is there has to be corporate liability here. The buck has to stop at the top. Those people that hire those employees are responsible for their actions. I was there. You know, anybody who has a company, your employee, you are responsible for your employee's actions. So and, if and, this, and this is a skilled nursing facility. Yes, it is. So, so if these people not, were arrested, uh, like said, why is isn't the operator arrested? Mm-hmm. Well, and there may be a call for, you know, more, you know, education of, staff within facilities as well because, you know, having been in, you know, hundreds of facilities myself, um, typically, you know, during the week, they're, they're better staffed than they're on the weekend. Oh, yes, or at night. Yeah. And, and again, you know, the reimbursement through Medicare or Medi-Cal and Medicaid, Medi-Cal is California's Medicare, Medicaid, I'm sorry, you know, there are there are stringent regulations about staffing and training, and it's not happening because the nursing home operator is going to have a bigger profit. If they less training expenses, uh, less staff, they can get away with it. They're going to do less of everything to bring that bottom line profit. And a lot of administrators and directors of nursing, the, the people at the top of the chain, uh, they get bonuses every year based on how much their bottom line is. Well, to me, that bottom line gets better when you start cutting services. And the number one cut of services is staffing. So if you and don't have enough staff, it's automatic neglect. So it sounds like to me that the more available a family member is to be at the facility at um, unexpected times, oh, yes, the better. And, and another thing for your listening audience is uh, under the federal law, there are no visiting hours, and this is very key, there is no visiting hours for family members. So when they, the facility posts a visiting hours, like acute hospitals, you know, post a visiting hour 10 to 8 o'clock at night, that does not apply to family members. It only applies to people that come into the facility that are not family Interesting. So that's a very key thing. I tell my clients to go at 2 o'clock in the morning. Just go to the facility and see what's going on in that facility. And I, I'm never surprised at what they find. Well, and, and just my comment there is that typically at a, at a facility, like a nursing home facility, or even if it's an assisted living facility, which is very similar to a nursing home, the, um, the individuals that actually have knowledge of the patients and and what what's actually occurring are the the licensed part, the LPNs, the RNs, the CNAs, and even the director of nursing. And typically, the administrators of the facilities don't have. I mean, they can in some cases, but typically don't have that um, that personal you know connection with each of the residents each of the right. residents in the facility. I agree. So they may not be aware of what's actually occurring in their own facility. Right, but see, I, and, and I agree with that, and they use that excuse, but I, I don't buy off on that because they are responsible. 
Sure, they are responsible. And, but and so a lot of the times in the investigations that I have found, you know, with legal cases, is that the, you know, you have to show where the, um, the head of the, the facility, the administrator, or even the corporate entity has to have, you have to tie them into knowledge of knowing what's going on there. And they, they say, well, we didn't know that, but in fact, they should know that. Sure. They're, they're responsible for it. Mm-hmm. So, well, absolutely, and of course, that's one of the. Um, I have a um, an elderly mother and an Alzheimer's uh, nursing care, uh-huh. and one of the uh, keys, and one of the things that I like about this particular facility, is that everybody knows the patients by their first names, uh-huh. and I mean everybody uh-huh. from the receptionist to every caretaker and the people in the dining room. Sure. And that means a lot because that oh, yeah. means that people are aware of what others are doing. Sure. Another thing that I tell my clients is, <clears throat> you know, the aesthetics of the nursing home, it can be, you know, brand new, beautiful furniture, everything, but that's not what's going to determine the care. Right. And you got to, like, look under the sheets, make sure that what's going on. Always be there when there's physical therapy set up because a lot of times, these, like you say, these, 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 these patients are so vulnerable and some of them are so incompetent or cannot communicate, you don't even know if they're getting the therapy. Well, but I not, guarantee they you they're may getting not only be abused by, uh, by the caregivers, but it could be by other residents. No. Oh, well, that's, I've seen that, too. But the, the facility is still responsible in any aspect. Once you go into that nursing home, the owner is responsible for every aspect of care. They're responsible for ensuring the fact that the other patients don't hit each other. I see that more in, a, in assisted living or in Alzheimer's. Uh, or even and maybe in a smaller nursing home. Right, right. Yeah. Now, assisted livings are uh, um, are totally different than nursing homes. They have to have more staff. They have to have more licensed nursing. They have uh, they're regulated by different agencies. At least in California, they are. I see. So um, and the the acuity level of the people that are going into assisted living nowhere near the high acuity level of people in nursing homes. Absolutely. And, and the level of care is different. It's a lot different. Assisted living than it right. is. And that. plus, assisted living is the system does not pay for that. It's, there's a pilot program in California now testing, uh, putting um, Medi-Cal dollars into assisted livings or residential care facilities as pilot programs because it's a lot less expensive. But the industry, the nursing home industry, is fighting that because they want all the money for themselves. Most people in nursing homes are um, are there under some kind of Medicare. Oh, yeah. The majority, majority of nursing home patients, are uh, the, the, their costs are being covered by Medicare when they first enter the facility for so many days, and then it, they go to Medicaid, Medi-Cal in California. I so, see. yeah, the majority of the people, that's why I said, the majority of the people in nursing homes in this country are being paid by the tax system, by our, our tax dollars. So in theory, we as taxpayers are aiding and abetting the nursing home industry to commit these frauds against our family members because we are, our tax dollars are paying for it. And nobody really wants to talk about that. But that's a fact. Sure. Drugs are, you know, they, you have to pay attention to the medications too. I mean... I mean, my only comment to that is that, you know, I look at it as, you know, what are, what is a person's 
options when they get to a point in their life that they need additional care that a family is not capable of providing. Um, and is what is the, the cost benefit of, you know, providing care inside of a home right. as opposed to inside a facility. Right. Well, that's it's why, you know, families a lot have less. to use their research. Right. You know, and, and really get to know that facility and what the facility is all about before they make a decision. Right. And also know that if your family member is in an acute hospital, and, and usually these things happen and they're not planned. <laughs> so your mother falls and breaks her hip. And she's in an acute hospital, and all of a sudden, you know, the hospitals now, these discharge planners are pushing to get the patients out, and it's all related to bottom-line profits. So all of a sudden, they're saying, oh, well, your mother has to leave now. She has to go to a nursing home. Keep in mind that the family has the right to approve proper placement. So they have to give the family members the opportunity to go look for a nursing home, pick one that's close to your home, or in between your home and your office so you could stop and see them all the time, make it convenient for you to be able to stop by and see your family member. Uh, you, do, you have the right to pick the proper placement and don't, when, you, when the acute hospitals are trying to force your mother out, you ask for appeals because uh, you have a right to appeal the Medicare, any kind of Medicare payments two different times and know that you have a right to pick appropriate placement for your mother. That's and I'm seeing those people. are good suggestions, I'm, Carol. That's the voice of Carol Herman. Back with more in a moment. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. 
would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Elder Advocate Carol Herman private investigator Jamie Richardson are discussing the compelling subject of maltreatment in nursing homes. We had a caller call in and ask about care plans. Carol, could you address that? Yes. Uh, when a, when a uh, person enters a nursing home, one of the first things that the uh, uh, nursing home is obligated to do is assess the patient. Uh, what are they coming in for? Uh, what are their needs, and then develop a care plan on how to care for that patient um, so that they're, they could either get better and leave. A lot of pa- people are going in for rehab, broken hips, etc. So there's an assessment plan, assessment that has to be done immediately, and also a care plan has to be developed on how to treat the patient, what their, what their acuity level is, are they susceptible to bed sores, uh, are they at risk for falls? So those are the types of things that have to happen that the uh, nursing home has to do that by, by law. Then uh, at once a quarter, there is a care plan meeting, and the families are invited. Obviously, they should be there, and uh, the facility should notify the family members that there's a care plan meeting scheduled. And then basically you go in and go over what's happening, are the goals being met, the nutrition, um, you know, what are the plans of the patient either rehabbing and getting out of the facility. Um, so that happens once a quarter. But definitely they have to work off of a care plan. It's very, very important to have that. And uh, also know that the family members can look at, as long as they have the power of attorney, they can look at medical records on demand and request copies that they, under federal law, the facilities have to give them copies within two days. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. Carol, do you have any last thoughts for our listeners? Well, obviously, you know, doing this work for 27 years, my first thing is to try to prevent, um, keep healthy so that you don't have to go into a nursing home. Avoid them if at all possible. However, um, obviously, some people have no choice. They have to ha- place a family member in a nursing home, but be vigilant, vigilant, vigilant. Ask questions. 
And if you don't get the proper answer, call an advocacy organization, call my organization, but get down to the bottom of it. And don't always uh, be fooled by how beautiful the facility looks. Go to the state regulators' offices, the state offices, and look up public records on the facility to see if they've been cited before. And just do your homework before you pick a nursing home. Okay. I have another question, caller question. Uh, Vicki wants to know if, you, if we can talk about the problem of overdrugging patients to better handle them. Yes. I can address that. Antipsychotic medications are black box drugs. And it's illegal to give those kind of drugs without informed consent from either the patient, if the patient is uh, mentally competent, or the holder of the durable power of attorney. Those kind of drugs, there has to be informed consent. So before, uh, and you have the right to uh, refuse drugs. You have the right to refuse care. You have the right to... Uh, know what medications your family member is given, and if you have the power of attorney, you, you as that holder of that power of attorney should be approving all care, which includes medications. Antipsychotics are being given rampantly in nursing homes for behavioral control. They're considered chemical restraints, and it's at the benefit of the nursing home, not the patient. All right. Good advice. So I hope that answered. I, I would just want to add one thing really quick. Um, I would also, you know, have family members uh, consult with their um, their mother or father's primary care physician as to whether or not, you know, that medication is necessary or excessive, you know, and then that way you know that you're getting an answer that um, from a medical professional whether or not that's beneficial or not. Well, I, I tend to disagree a little bit with that, Jamie, because doctors that are in the facilities are not usually the primary care doctors, and they're the ones that are going into facilities uh, are the ones that basically are absent. But I think that's what Jamie's saying, is consult with their primary care doctor, get the primary care doctor involved. Well, a lot of times they won't get involved because they don't get paid. Once a person goes into a nursing home, my experience, once a person goes into a nursing home, it's a totally set of caregivers including the doctor, who, the attending physician that goes into the nursing home to see that patient. So, uh, and a lot of times these doctors, it's not necessarily the doctor. You, they might want to talk to a pharmacist about the side effects of the drugs. Antipsychotics have horrific side effects. Well, that's why it's so important for the horrific. family to get involved. I, I'm going to work on a campaign over the next year, hopefully. I tried it once before. It didn't work. To ban or bar antipsychotic medications in nursing homes. All right. Jamie, last thoughts from you. Sure. Um, you know, I think that, you know, we had a great show, and, um, you know, I really appreciate you having me on the show. Um, you know, if I could leave it with any last words, is that if, you know, family members out there are concerned about, you know, their loved ones in a facility, um, and they've taken, you know, every step possible to go ahead and, keep their family members safe in a facility um, and they feel like they haven't gotten the results they're looking for, um, you know, give me a call. I would be more than happy to, you know, provide a free confidential consult and talk to you about your case and see what I can do to help you um, and give you any advice that I have based on, you know, my experience uh, having been in the field myself. Thank you, Jamie. And I'd like to ditto that, that people are free to call my office. All right. I'm going to give your, their phone numbers out. Okay, great. Second.
thank you to my guests for shining a bright light on this weighty topic of elder abuse and for providing ideas of what can be done to pursue an allegation. I'm quoting from an excellent article written by Jamie in the August edition of PI Magazine. Quote, about 1.5 American li Americans live in nursing homes. 30% of Americans, uh, 17,000 nursing homes have been sanctioned for deficiencies that put their residents at risk of life-threatening injury or death. Jamie estimates that one out of every 20 suffer from some kind of maltreatment, but a federal study suggests this is only the tip of the iceberg. As Administration on Aging, Jamie reports, estimates for each report or abuse of neglect, at least five more are unreported. There is something you can do if you suspect abuse. If you want more information on FATE's grassroots advocacy, contact Carol Herman at 1-916-451-8558, 916 -451 8558 or Jamie Richardson at 518-708-1219. 518-708-1219. Thank you to our sponsors, IRB Search, PI Magazine, PI Museum, and as well as Merlin Information Services. Next week we will again declassify more real stories from the files of real private investigators every Thursday morning, 12 noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. If you are not available during the live broadcast, the show can be downloaded either to an MP3 or iTunes 24 hours after the live broadcast. If you have a topic you'd like to see addressed in this program, contact me at Francie at PICDeclassified.com. It's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.